1: Okie dokie, folks. Welcome back. Horticulture's Fell to Rushing, and we're talking about gardening today. This morning, you know, here on MPB, we do stuff every day of the week, uh, programs on food and lawyer stuff and medical stuff and pets and animals and, and blues and music, and our own Java Chapman. Java, <laughs> good morning. Good you, you know, morning, Felder. You know I got, y- y'all know you have a good time in New Orleans last week, or did you stay away from the crazy folks?
0: Well, the crazy folks were everywhere because it was Mardi Gras. <laughs> in so, New Orleans. Yeah, it was everywhere,
1: man. Well, listen, I, I want to brag on you because this morning I came in. I was starved for coffee because I got away too late, <laughs> and I couldn't get the coffee machine into the work. And you came in, and basically you just took the top, top off of it, which broke it, but it, you fixed it. So you need to be on Fix It 101.
0: Well, I have um, increased my DIY Knowledge yeah. uh, hanging around the, the crew.
1: <laughs> yeah, one of the producers up here says, Java, he's going to break it to make it work. Well, the the, <laughs> the goal was to make it work, and, and look at we here. made it work. And I got a cup full of coffee. Cheers. <laughs> so, anyway, for the next hour, we're going to be talking about gardening, and uh, I've got a few little show and tell type things. I've got a, a little, uh, my we don't know what to call this segment yet, my little rant or my little nuggets or Felders. Felder, oh, I know a good one. Have you heard of Falderall? No, what is that? It's an old word. Old English word means whimsical nonsense. Oh, Falderol. Okay. Well, we could call it falderall. Uh,
0: fel, <laughs> Felderall. Okay. All right. We, 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 we'll play with it. We'll tweak it around.
1: Yeah. Well, we're going to have a good time. If uh, we, It's toll free. I've got some flowers to talk about and some edibles and some native plants and all like that, some unusual things. But we're here to talk on the telephone with folks, and I think that I see, I can't read that, Mark. No, Marie. Marie. In Hattiesburg. In Hesburgh. They got the screen up in the corner again. Hey, Marie, good morning. Good morning. How are you this morning? So far, so good. You sound cheerful, though. <laughs> What's up?
2: <laughs> I am working outside.
1: You're sweating, um, then. I can tell you right now, I know uh, 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 Europeans don't sweat, they glow, but you're sweating out there if you're outside today. Because <laughs> I, yes. just, I just walked in and I'm sweating.
2: Okay. All right, um, when is the best time to put the chicken manure? And this is now fresh chicken manure. It's been there sitting for a while. And also the cotton seed meal in the garden. What? But-
1: well, the best fun well, well, you know, if it's, if it's de- well decomposed, you can use it any time. But really, the natural for organic fertilizer, manures, compost, uh, cottonseed meal, they don't really work in, uh, by themselves. They have to be broken down by microbes and worms and stuff in the soil. And they don't really start working until it gets warm. And it's pretty warm out there right now. So, you know, you could this year you could probably put it out while you're out there. Uh, but normally i'd say wait till later in March when the soil starts to warm up a little bit, so things don't wash away but it, it, you can put them out pretty much any time except maybe the dead of winter
2: okay, another question. I have some roses, and uh they 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 grow a lot in the sense that they don't bloom uh-huh. what can
1: but do well, you have plenty of sunshine? Yes. Uh, one of the things most, most rose growers do, and I'm talking about worldwide, J- Japan, South America, wherever you go, most rose growers, with, ex- with the exception of the spring-only bloomers, some of the old antique roses just bloom in the spring, most rose growers cut their plants way back every winter. To, to To stimulate strong new growth this this reinvigorates them it 's called rejuvenation, and most of the people sometime in February will cut them back to a foot and a half, two feet knee high as far back as you want, but just prune it back a little bit. Uh, I know yours probably have leaves on them already. I actually have a flower bud uh, with me right now, a rose bud that came from my garden this morning. In February, I've got three buds on my rose. Uh, but even though they have new growth and uh, maybe hit some flower buds, go ahead and prune them back pretty hard. This rejuvenates them and reinvigorates them, stimulates real strong new growth.
2: Do they need any
1: fertilizer? Well, they, they like a little fertilizer from time to time, but manure, cottonseed meal, any of those kind of things. You know, natural fertilizers are perfect. They're not as strong and harsh as the agriculture chemical fertilizers, but they work fine. They work just fine. The idea is to keep the plant healthy and vigorous. And you do have a little fertilizer in the spring and some pruning in the, in, in the winter. Thank you so
2: much, Felder. Have a beautiful
1: day. Okay, stay cool.
2: All right,
1: thank you. Bye-bye. You know, Java, that's weird telling somebody in February to stay cool, but it it was 85 the other day.
0: And it's (laughs) air-conditioned weather in the middle of February.
1: Well, a whole lot of people are getting ready to – they're starting to plant stuff out in the garden. I mean, they're starting their okra seeds and their beans and their peppers and tomatoes. And if you're starting little plants, you know, that's fine. But a lot of people want to plant stuff in the dirt. And, folks, we are a month away from our average last frost, a month. And that means half the time it happens after that. So uh, even though it's nice warm temperatures, uh you're tempted, your juices are going, you know, you got these endorphins rolling around and all that stuff – Don't plant summer stuff yet. Corn can can take cold weather, but that's about it. We've got time to plant lettuces, which I did day before yesterday. Uh, We've got uh, tomatoes. And uh, Java said I was going to show you this thing. It's a potato that I got from a garden center, a little small potato, and it's got little growing things on the end. Okay. I'm pre-sprouting these. I'm keeping them outside. i watered them, and they're starting to sprout. I'm going to plant these in the ground with this little green bit right at the top, and I'm going to cover it with a mulch, and I'm going to grow me some potato. This is the time you to plant potatoes in the ground. Okay. And, uh, and by the way, when you pre-sprout these things, there's, a, there's an interesting gardening word. It starts with a C. It's called Chitting. So you're chitting the I'm potato. chitting me taters. Oh. <laughs> now, you know, that could be one of those lala l- whatever. Lala cheesia? Lala l- cheesia. sounds like a dirty <laughs> word, but I'm, I'm chitting me taters. <laughs> I like it. But anyway, I'm pre proud. This is time to plant out, uh, potatoes, lettuces, broccoli, cabbage, cauliflower, all those kind of things like cool weather. And they need to have time to produce before it gets hot in late May and June. So this is the time to do it. And put them a little bit further apart, so you have a place in a month to start tucking your tomatoes and peppers and stuff. Leave some room to plant. In other words, interplant. Take your time, but don't rush the season. Gather ye rosebuds, and literally gather ye rosebuds while ye may. Now, again, I don't know how to turn this thing on. You to have to tell me who's up there on that on that wall.
0: Okay, so now we
1: have Charlie from Oxford on the line. Okay, Charlie. Good morning. How are you, sir? Hey, Feltzer, I'm good. How you doing? So far, so good. I, I feel like I'm still England. Uh, John was having to tell me who's calling just because my bifocals <laughs> can't see across the room. What's up?
3: Well, I've got some uh, wooded property up here in Lafayette County, and uh, when we moved in, we had at least uh, 50 dogwoods uh, on the property, and they are just all dying, yeah. every last one of them, yeah. and the young ones, old ones. Middle aged ones, and uh, I've noticed that you know some branches will die off, and then the bark on the trunk will start falling off, and yeah. then the trunk, the base of the trunk just just yeah. yeah. So uh, I've called the extension service and forestry service, and they haven't given me any answers. So.
1: Well, l- let me let me let me not give you three answers, okay? Because okay. I don't know. But there are three common things happening. First of all, uh, there is a disease. It's been around for a long time. It spreads out, and it's causing problems with dogwoods. It's actually killing dogwoods. It's fairly common. It's, an, it's not a new thing, but for some reason, it's more prevalent. And uh, I can't remember the name. It's not anthracnose. I can't remember the name of it. But there is a, there, there is a, a disease going around. Um, mm-hmm. I don't think it's as serious as people make it out to because – on top of that the real problem dog was is I don't know if you remember but not that long ago we had a, a drought that was 2 years long and we were seeing pine trees in Louisiana on the roadside dying of drought uh, wow. mag- magnolia tree. A lot of plant in our part of the world, and particularly with dogwoods growing in the woods, they don't have a deep root system. they got a wide-ranging kind of a scraggly, webby-looking thing. It's not a really good oak tree-type root. And they're very shallow because if they grow deep, they rot in the winter and all the rains. So they stay real shallow. They scrabble along this loose forest floor. And then when you have drought that goes a foot deep, those roots die. A lot of times they'll sprout back again, but if it happens over and over or is prolonged, it gradually weakens the tree, the trunk shrinks up, all sorts of physiological things going on, and they reach a point where they just can't recover. And slowly they start to fall apart uh, with the trunk. Mm. That's what Then this disease is aggravated, but I think a a healthy tree can resist the problem. So I'm laying a lot of it on to, to our climate. Uh, and the unusual weather we've had the past eight or ten years or so—it's been really, really wet and then really dry. This is tough on shallow-rooted okay. plants. That's an, mm-hmm. it, that's a pretty good educated guess based on plant physiology and based on what happened in my own yard.
3: Okay. Well, is, if if all these dogwoods die off, is there a, another pretty uh, flowering tree? Like a dog, you know, I, I was thinking about just replacing everything with a red bud, you know, or yeah, well,
1: something else. Red, and and um, by the way, I have a red bud with me. Uh, John, I'm waving this thing around, they're actually pink. You, you know why they call red buds, by the way? This is the stupid thing. Because when we first started calling the red buds, there wasn't a word in English for pink. Pink, yeah. pink, pink wasn't a word. It, it wasn't a word. And uh, it just came around, you know, in fairly recent history, so everything was red. It's red and green. They didn't have teal, you know, so red buds are called that just because. <laughs> anyway, and the flowers are edible. It's a good replacement plant, but there's also a couple of other trees out there that I think are, they're not as showy as dogwoods, but they're worth. There's one called silver bells. The Latin name is Halesia. Halesia, or silver bells, is another native wooden plant, and is almost as pretty as dogwoods. Almost. And it's so much hardier. Uh, There's also the Grancy Graybeard, the American Fringe Tree. Really, really good Showing, uh, plant out in the woods. Um, this time of year, in, in usually in fe- late February March, we have in the woods uh, our red buckeye, which is a stunning tree in the shade, and it attracts hummingbirds. The hummingbirds follow mm. the buckeyes. When they start blooming on the coast, hummingbirds follow them up all the way up into Canada. They follow the buckeyes as they bloom starting about now. So, you know, those are some mm. good things. And, okay. Uh, All right. Oh, one, and I'm, I'm, I know I'm overwhelming you with this, but I got to throw that. There's an old-fashioned shrub. If you want a dogwood in your yard, dogwoods are hard to grow in the best conditions. There's an old-fashioned shrub named Philadelphia. Some people call it um, English dogwood. Some people call it mock orange, but it looks like a dogwood. You ride around Oxford, you can see these dogwood, scraggly looking big dogwood-looking shrubs in, in older gardens. That is a terrific mm-hmm. old heirloom plant with okay. great big dogwood flowers.
3: Well, I'll check those out, and I'll just uh, keep watching the ones that I've got that are still dying. So. Yeah, take, but, you know, uh, yeah,
1: take take some pictures. And also, new ones coming along may not have this problem. It's usually the older ones that suffer. Gotcha. Okay. All right, well, thanks, Elder. I appreciate it. Okay, too much information. I appreciate your call, man. See ya. All
0: right, good. Thanks a lot. Bye-bye.
1: Okay, now, either Rick or Bob. Uh, Let's go with... Uh... Bob. Bob from, I can't tell, Meehan. Meehan, me, me me is that Meehan or Meehan Junction? Meehan. Meehan, okay. What's, what's going on, sir?
4: Well, I've got some outside bins for compost. Of course, it attracts worms from the ground. They work their way up. Yeah. I'm looking for the type of worm I can put on the top to work its way down and that'll survive our Mississippi winters.
1: Well, you know, there, there's not going to be one. Um, the red wigglers, red, red wrigglers that they sell in bait shop, they are, they're what they use in vermicomposting. They're fast, they're voracious, they can churn up some stuff like you wouldn't believe. They're little sort of reddish-brown-looking things that they sell in fish bait. And you can buy them by the pound online. Red wigglers are really, really fast, but they're not cold-hardy. They're just not cold-hardy. So, uh, you know... You know, the, the, the truth is, do you ever turn your compost, or you just pile it up and let it go, like I do?
4: I, I put it in wire baskets. I, I've heard of these things called uh, Canadian night crawlers. They 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 won't survive our winter.
1: Yeah, but, but our own night crawlers will do just as well. I mean, we have, we have plenty. And by the way, night crawlers are not native to North America. That's an oddball thing. But those great big night crawlers, they, they were introduced. They're considered an invasive species. But I would just go with the ones we got. They work fine if you'll feed them. And here's a real, real kick, Bob. If you'll dust just a little cottonseed meal on there. It has nitrogen, which helps the bacteria really do fast composting, but it's got protein. It'll bulk those worms up to whether they be 10 inches long. I'm not making this up. You'll be shocked at what cottonseed meal just a little bit does to fire worms up and bulk them up, and they go nuts. And they get huge. I mean, you can grab them by the handful. Cottonseed meal gives them the protein they need, and they'll go through leaves a whole lot faster.
4: Great. Well, I'm at the co-op now, so I'll go right in and get
1: some. Okay. It just, just takes a dusting. A pi- a pound, a pint jar will cover uh, your, your whole compost three times. So ju- just every few inches, just a light little dusting. That's all it takes. And you'll be shocked.
4: I appreciate
0: it. Thank you, Felder. Okay,
1: Bob. Thanks for your call. Okay, Java. What you want to do, man? You're the you're the boss here.
0: Well, we're gonna take we're gonna take John from Mobile, but I wanted to say about the Canadian night crawlers. I had to look them up because I never <laughs> heard of such a thing. <laughs> you, They're also called the granddaddy of earthworms because of their size, you know, in comparison
1: to uh, to other worms. So, well, you know, there, there's an earthworm, and I, I hate to you know, I'm, I'm not a. Um, um, what what's a guy who knows everything, he does everything or whatever. And I'm not one of those kind of guys, but worms I know about. There's a an earthworm in Australia that easily gets nine, ten feet long. That and their eggs are the size of chicken egg. Ridiculous. <laughs> not making this up. <laughs> I mean, you can't get one of those on a fish hook. Come on. <laughs> anyway, let's talk with John down in Mobile. John, how you doing, sir? I'm doing well. Thank you very much, sir. How about
5: yourself? Good.
1: So far so good. Oh
5: good. Uh, I talked with you, I think it was in October at Central Presbyterian, about my fat summa trees, and yeah. half of it just split off on the weight.
1: Yeah.
6: And <clears throat>
5: I, I took your advice and uh, uh, cut off the part that had broken off as, as smooth as I could. So far, I'm not seeing any growth, uh, new growth on what's left there, and I'm wondering if it's time to cut it. So it's about a foot above where the graft is and see what
1: happens next. Well, you know, if, if you do cut it off well above the graft, we know what's going to happen. It's going to branch back out. It's vigor You know, you can do fruit trees just like you can uh, azaleas and all, uh, but it might be a little bit early. might be it scratch the bark, and if it's bright green right under the bark, it's alive and it has a chance to sprout okay. out. So, you know, just give that okay. a try. And you don't have to cut it that far down. You know, scratch the bark till you find green and then cut down to that. Uh, but okay, but I, uh, I I'd give it another.
5: It's already got new growth
3: on it. There, so yeah, was curious.
1: Yeah, but you know at the same time we had such an unusual December. Even down on the coast, even in Pensacola, the sagos turned brown, and that affected plants side by side in my garden. I've got plants that are completely burnt. Some that are that are uh, defoliated, and some that look okay side by side in the same garden, same plant. So, you know. Anyway, the 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 bark scratch test will tell you the truth, and if you want to prune it, not going to hurt it. Hi, thank you. Appreciate it. Okay, and by the way, April first, April Fool's Day, is the plant swap at Central Press in in uh, in Mobile again. Looking forward to seeing everybody there. Well,
5: I'll be up in DC on April first. Okay,
1: well, tell us where you are, and we'll come get some of your stuff and share it amongst ourselves. All right. Good enough. <laughs> See you. Have a good day. Thank, thank you. Bye. Anyway, tomorrow, Saturday, the twenty fifth, f- Saturday, February the twenty fifth. I'm going to be doing my annual free home fruit seminar at a garden center in Jackson that specializes in fruits that do well in this part of the country, That types, the varieties. We're to talk about planting and selecting and pruning and pest control, all those sort of things. It's free. It's at a place called Hutto's on Ellis Avenue in Jackson. It starts at 9 o'clock, always a big crowd, very informal. If you're not a joiner, this is a place to come. Horticulture's fellow rushing and folks are on the line, if you just hang on for a minute or so, I want to share a, a little oddball thing. Things that you may not have asked or even wondered about, but you ought to know. Now nah, you don't need to know. Uh, last week we talked about the difference between Narcissus and daffodil, and there's not narcissus is Latin for daffodil, which is folk English for for narcissus. But all this week, I've been seeing people post pictures of these really weird looking daffodils that are all scrambled up. They're they're yellow, sometimes yellow and orange petals, just knotted all up, not with the cup and the petals and all, just a, a wad of stuff. Uh, and they're commonly called daffodil. People call them doubles double flowers, all mixed up. The most common name for them is butter and eggs or scrambled eggs. Scrambled eggs or butter and eggs. And a little, digging a little research, the antique, the oldest one that's, that's out there is called butter and eggs in England. It's all over England, butter and eggs, because it's pale yellow and a darker, almost golden yellow, all mixed up. This plant has been growing in gardens in America since the 1700s, and you see it all over Mississippi, because it's an early bloomer, uh, it never fails to set buds. It's just an old fashioned one. But the question comes up is what's the difference between antique and heirloom? That's the question you never ask. Well, antique means is old, and in the garden, it Legally, 50 years. If you've got uh, a flower that's, that's been growing for over 50 years, is considered an antique. If you've got Granny's Concrete Chicken, she's an antique. Uh, so that's what—antique is a legal term for meaning basically certain age, 50 years or more. Old antique bench, that kind of thing. Antique roses. But heirloom it means—it comes from where— inherited loom, inherited tool, something that, you know, heirloom, something that has been passed down through the generations of people to people. You inherit something. That's what heirloom means. And you can have an heirloom that's not that old, but you got it from Aunt Mamie or Grandma or, 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 or a neighbor. But if it's passed around, it's an heirloom, whether or not it's an antique. Now, the old roses, they're called Old Garden Roses, OGRs. They are legally the the roses that were in existence before the 1860s when the first ever hybrid tea named La France was introduced. So any, any rose before the 1860s is considered officially an Old Garden Rose. They can still be heirlooms. They can still be antiques. Anyway, that's a little thing you probably really didn't want to know, but there it is. What do you think, Java? Am I BSing too much here? No, no, no. You're, you're good. You're
0: giving lots of information and I really do like that um, that phrase. Answers. Answers to unasked questions. We're gonna have to roll we to roll with that. We're gonna have to figure it out. But I like that.
1: Well before the others call, let me mention I'm holding up a tiny little flower. It's about the size of my big toenail, maybe maybe a quarter, is is pale lavender with a purple stripe down each petal. This is called starflower. The Latin name is It starts with the IPH. Ifion is an antique heirloom plant that grows across the wall. I got this from my great grandmother's jar. It grows in the grass. You can't see it because it looks like grass. But when it blooms this time of year, it is a carpet of lavender and purple. And then it disappears. But it, it's not like a weed. You can't see the leaves because they look like... But anyway, starflower or Ifeon, my one of my top five bulbs for southern gardens. And you can buy it. Anyway, I, I've, I've dragged this on too much. Let's go up to Ollie's branch, talk to Rick. Rick, how are you this morning?
4: Good morning, guys. How are y'all doing?
1: Good. Java's in there. Uh, you should have seen Java's coat last week. He got a coat last week that just knocked me out. I don't need Java, that coat now. It's so I know, <laughs> but you were styling, though. You were stylist. Anyway, sorry, Rick, what's up?
4: That's okay. He's not trying to become a member of the four tops, is
1: he? Uh, no, but you could probably get all four of them in that coat of his.
4: <laughs> so, Rick, okay. Well, uh, before I get uh, into my request, I want to say congratulations to our Hometown hero that won the Daytona 500 last weekend, Ricky Stenhouse Jr. Uh, wow! Yeah, I know that's a, that's a big deal. Driving you know, the Kroger car, <laughs> Dr-
1: Dr- Job. Yep, no, yep, Dr- there
4: was. Way <laughs> to go, Job! I'm proud of you. Listen, I'm gonna ask this, and then I'm gonna hang up and listen. Um, I've had I had to really kind of beat my mom over the head to get her to uh, quit killing some of the reptiles and, and certain insects. In her Garden, you know, like the black and uh, the black and yellow spider, and yeah. uh, some lizards and stuff like that. Can you uh, can you kind of run down a list of critters that people might find? You know, yeah, but they're good for their garden. I okay?
1: will tell you what, let me let me make that next week uh, thing you hadn't asked. Because there's a lot of it. i mean i've got I have a whole little present as part of my my regular pre- slide presentations on the critters just in my yard from the big ones the raccoons and the possums uh, down to the to the tiny little beetles and the different kinds of native bees that we've got i've got three kinds of of, of lizards in my garden I'm not going to talk about the snakes because a lot of people don't like them but I've got beneficial what? I have one snake that honks me off because it eats all the other snakes so yeah. you know but but between the the anole lizards, the skink lizards, the night uh, feeding uh, geckos, there's tons of stuff. We, we'll talk about that well, next week.
4: Okay. Well, I, just a real quick story. I had a neighbor that called that I told me that she had a a big old black and yellow spider in her bushes. Yeah. And I said, that's great. I went down there and
6: and you got
1: it.
4: <laughs> and I did. And I brought I brought her back and put her in my uh, morning glory vine. And she, uh, she spun her a web and hung out the rest of the year there. So, but anyway, thank you for your time. Tell, tell Java to stay looking good. Okay?
1: All right. Appreciate it, man. All right. Bye.
2: Bye-bye. Bye-bye.
1: There's a lot of critters out there, sometimes if you don't like these things, if you have a, what I call an atavistic, a cellular level fear, you jump back. I mean, a spider, I'm okay with spiders, but if one gets on me or if I get, I think I, I squeal like a little girl. Ah, I just can't do it. I can't do spiders. It's atavistic, can't help it. Take your glasses off when you're out in the garden. A lot of that stuff disappears. So I uh, want to take a call or do the quick, cheesy tune, Java. Um, let's, let's talk to, talk to our good friend Francis in Natchez. Okay. Hey, Francis, good morning.
4: Good morning. Uh, thanks for having me on.
1: Sure. What's up?
4: A fella, my front yard is approximately an acre, and I've got every kind of tree that you can think of in that yard. Uh, live oak, uh, red oak, uh, white oak, uh, birch, gum. You're start, pine, you're you're you start, you starting to
1: sound like Bubba and the ways you can make shrimp here. <laughs> okay. But anyway,
4: uh all of these leaves are in my yard. Yeah. Would it be a good idea to just let the leaves uh stay in the yard, you know, without cutting them?
1: Well do you it's have, gra- can, you have um, grass That you have grass there? Yes, yes, I okay. do have grass. What I would do is I would simply mow them, mow them as as long as you can, and you still see a gr- little bit of grass when you're done, you're okay. But when it gets so thick that you can't see the grass after you mow it, is when you need to start uh, blowing them up under some trees. You know, uh, under right. you know you can even tie the trunks of trees. You you can create a mulch bed between trees. And, uh, and and throw your limbs and branches there and stick in some ferns and stuff like and create a nice little shade border between beds by just starting by blowing the leaves you can't mow up under there. Okay, but but don't, I don't, do don't smother was, the grass. Don't smother the grass, what I'm saying.
4: Okay, I got a grater that I put on my tractor, and I usually drag the leaves up into piles. And when the leaves decompose, it's this a good fertilizer.
1: Yeah, but you notice, a gra- you notice the grass is dead under there, too.
4: Uh, all of the leaves, uh, you know, I'm piling them in a pile, yeah. and all of the leaves when they decompose is this a good fertilizer? Yeah, this, know, is, this 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 is yarn.
1: this is way it was done long before people started hauling stuff by the bag. This is this is way the, the system has always worked.
4: So I'm finna build me a big pile of leaves
1: then. Yeah, yeah. Uh, if you, if you, you know, if you want to, to put something around the base of it, some limbs or something, make it look like you do it on purpose instead of just having a big pile of leaves. And if, uh, every now and then, maybe once a year, if you could just dust a little cottonseed meal, just scatter some like you're throwing ashes, it will really see some, some effect. But anyway, it sounds like you Okay, you're you, saying you, cottonseed, right? Cottonseed meal. It's like greasy cornmeal. It's called cottonseed meal. Anyway, sounds like you got it going on, man. All right. Thanks a lot, Felder. Okay, Francis, appreciate it. All right. Okay, I threw I threw with my Felderall. <laughs> Java, you didn't hear what he was talking about all the different kinds of trees in his yard, you stepped out. I seen it starting to sound like Bubba talking about ways you can cook shrimp.
0: Gumbo shrimp and uh, all the other <laughs> fried shrimp.
1: <laughs> Horticulturist Fellow Russian, me and Java Chapman and other folks at MPB, we welcome you. Now we're going to jump right back into what we're here supposed to be doing, and that's talking with folks about their gardening, starting in Tremont with Joey. Good morning, sir. Thanks for holding.
4: Hey, fellow, how y'all uh, do it?
1: So far, so good. Don't get me okay, talking. I got to quit. Okay. Sir?
7: What? Uh, garlic. Yeah. I've got several pretty good sized patches of garlic on my land, and uh, the past couple of three years, I've noticed the bulbs are getting smaller and smaller. Yeah, so I need to fertilize that.
1: No, you ought to dig some of them up and plant them, uh, spread them out a little bit. They they start getting crowded, and uh, you know this this is what happens with a lot of daffodils. They'll still make bulbs, but they won't make those really good ones like you used to. They need elbow right. room. So uh, when they die down this, this summer, you know, they, they flower, then they turn yellow and flop over. Dig some gotcha. of them up and just, you know, you don't even have to save them. Just go ahead and just stick them here and there where they got a little elbow room.
7: Okie dokie. That's all I need to know. And I appreciate this knowledge.
1: Thank you, sir.
0: I you too. Bye-bye.
1: All righty. Java, that was a call.
0: Well, Joey from Tremont is a regular. So. I know he
1: knows the uh, stuff. He's got good, straight to the point. And thank you very much. Yeah, appreciate that. Let's go down to the coast though to Waveland. Michael, what's going on, man? Hey, how you doing today? So far, so good. Is it Waveland or Long Beach where they're arguing about that old oak tree?
5: Uh, Waveland. Yeah,
1: <laughs> there's a, and I understand that the citizens stormed out of City Hall the other night because they weren't happy.
5: That's right. Exactly. Well, But the reason why I'm calling is I was cleaning out my desk drawer, and I ran across a, a homemade packet with staples all around it, uh, a little packet, I got, and I think it was like maybe a piece of typing paper or something, but written on it said purple um, trumpet flowers, huh. and they were in seed form, and I was wondering how long – uh, will the seeds last? I'm assuming I've had them for at least four years.
1: Uh, you know, I, I don't know what purple trumpet flower is. I want, you know, sometimes the the purple, you know, the, 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 the trumpet, the, the datura, the, uh, I forget what it's called, trumpet, anyway, they'll make uh, kind of spiny seed pods. They've got a lot of uh, balls that got seeds in them. It could be that. If they've been stored cool and dry, there's a good chance that they'll sprout. Uh, do, you, do you have a whole bunch of them or just a few? Well,
5: um, I, I shook it, and they were still, like, you know, moving around and stuff. Yeah. I'm assuming I have at least two dozen.
1: Yeah. Here's something you can do. It's a, it's a germination test, and I do this a lot of times with old seeds. If you'll count out – if you've got enough to do this, count out, oh, five or ten, some number where you – you know, a, a good size number – Roll them up in a barely damp piece of paper towel, just barely damp, not sopping wet. Put it in a plastic bag and put it on top of the refrigerator where it's nice and warm. Out of the sunshine, but nice and warm. The humidity, the the, the little bit of moisture and the warmth uh, will cause them to sprout quickly. And then you can come back in a week or two weeks, open it up and see how many have sprouted. That'll give you a good idea what percentage are are still good. They may all sprout, they may none sprout, but it saves you some time out in the yard. But uh, the idea is warmth, not not sun, but warmth and, and, you know, a little bit of moisture and humidity. Plastic bag will do that. I do this a lot.
5: Okay. That sounds like a plan. That's what I'll do then.
1: Will you follow up and let us know?
5: Sure. I sure will. Definitely.
1: All right. Appreciate it. Thank you. Java, there's a developer. Wants to develop some land, he got permission to cut down a big old live oak tree in Waveland, and the citizens. It, it, it's like you know when the, the the folks in Transylvania were storming Frankenstein's castle. That's why the, I was
0: when you when you brought that up. I wanted to know the backstory. So somebody's trying to develop uh, something, but they're going to have to remove this.
1: Well, yeah, oak and see, and, yeah, and see, and see, Waveland has got you know they got a real strong tree ordinance. You got to get permission to do that. Well, the city council gave them permission, oh, okay. and the people are saying, you know what? We don't think so. So yeah. we're, we're fall- And uh, it wouldn't be so bad. I've seen a lot of trees that people don't want to cut down. They're in bad shape. They're falling apart. They're rotten. They're dangerous. They've got root problems. But apparently they've had a, a certified arborist, a, tr- a trained certified arborist say, we can save this. But it's private property. So anyway, it's, uh, it's uh, de- America's democracy at work. We're going to see what happens.
0: Yeah, I want to keep a, let's keep an eye on that because oh, that's, yeah. that's, that's interesting.
1: Yeah, all right, and let's go to uh, David and Horn Lake. What's going on up in the Delta?
0: Good. Yeah, I mean,
6: excuse me, you must be psychic. You know, my ears twitch up. Um, uh, you've uh, got me. Uh, I let me get my my tongue and my brain working together.
1: <laughs> calm down, you, calm you, down, you, swallow.
6: You occasionally just, just mentioned about an arborist, and I and got my question lined up. I got a very very old oak tree that's showing some very, looks like to me, very visible signs of dead and decay. I, I, I've, I've been saving my leaves and starting to pile all the way around it, but I hadn't covered the root ball. I need to know how to feed and fertilize a tree, and how do you find a a licensed arborist? Is there a certificate or a license? I don't want some jack leaf to come up, you know what I mean? Yeah. I, want, I want to pay somebody that knows, that's been trained and certified, know what they're doing. And then I got a question about voles.
1: Okay, what is it you want them to, to look at on the tree?
6: Well, I've got, uh, you mentioned about dead in it. I've yeah. got several big branches yeah. that look like it's dead and decaying. Yeah. And I looked up and it looks like I've got another big long branch. Yeah. I yeah. just want to know about the health of the tree because some of the limbs are very, very big. Yeah. And with the storms and everything we're having yeah. now if it's if it if it's healthy
2: and safe
6: yeah. or do I need to prune
1: it or Yeah, well let me let, 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 let me give you a few real quick overviews. first of all I helped teach the arboriculture the tree surgery course at Mississippi State. I got my tree surgeon license in 1978. Okay. Uh and I've been diagnosing trees for decades. But I don't have a tree company so it doesn't matter to me what what's what's going on. The tree's dead. Take it down, not my problem. Want to try to save it? We'll do what we can. In other words, I don't have a stake in what I say, yeah. but I will tell you this. And 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 you can get an arborist you know, to come down from Memphis. What are you thirty miles from Memphis?
6: Not even that far.
1: Yeah. So anyway, you, you know, there's plenty of them up there. But make sure that that anyway. Here's the deal: if you've got an old tree, I'm talking about fifty, sixty, eighty years or more old. I guarantee you in the Delta, it's got severe internal decay because of the ice storms that bend the branches and break the branches and decay gets in, it goes into the trunk of the lower limbs. Here's how you can diagnose your tree yourself. Walk around it, make sure there's not any old keel over lightning strikes and they'll be pretty obvious because they'll be going, it may be completely healed over. But if you look at the tree after it leafs out another, another few weeks from a distance, if the top of if it looks like a, what a kindergartner would grow as a tree, nice rounded top, it's okay. But if it's got dead limbs and branches way up high, something interrupts, interrupts that silhouette, if it's got dead high limbs and, and twigs and stuff, it's got really bad root or trunk problems and it's going to fall apart. It may take it 50, 60 years, but nobody can predict. That sort of thing. So my main diagnosis: I look at the trunk and high up for, for lightning damage. I look for big broken limbs that have got rot. I look for for sap running down the trunk where wounds didn't heal over. But mostly, I look for limbs and branches up high in the in the tree. If they all look pretty much okay, I wouldn't worry about it. But if you got dead stuff up high, it's got some problems and they can't be fixed.
6: Okay. Well, well, I, I, I've been saving my leaves and piling up. I got. Or multiply yeah. all the yeah. way around, three hundred sixty yeah. degrees around the tree. Yeah, I would, uh, but, I, but I'm not covering the root ball. There's so no I need problem. To it or, mm. or, or.
1: If you if you want to give us some fertilizer, uh, fertilize the grass out. Stretch your arms straight out, wiggle your fingers. That's where the fertilizer needs to go. You know, okay. out on the outer-spread branches, way beyond. Those roots go way out there. Just got a little lawn fertilizer all around outside the tree, and the leaves are no problem. But, again, wait till it leaves out. Look at this silhouette. If it's got a lot of dead limbs and branches up high that aren't leafing out, it's got problems. But nobody, and anybody who, who tries this, I disrespect. Nobody can say whether it's going to live or fall next year or 50 years from now. Nobody. I, I, and I taught that course.
6: Okay. All right. My second question is: Is uh, I am being run o- run over by voles? I want to know some questions about vole control and resistant plants and bulbs that are resistant to voles.
1: Yeah, you're talking about the, the little critters that that chew on tree roots. You're not talking about the I mean the plant roots, not the ones that run out in the lawn and hump the grass up.
6: Well, you know what? I, uh, I you know I didn't know there was a difference. That yeah, yeah. Like, uh, uh, are they humping it, up? The it looks l- like a mouse, but it's just got a little bitty tail.
1: Yeah, yeah. Well, that, you know, that'd be a vole. It could be a shrew, but, it, but voles. Moles are the ones that make the, the, the humped up tunnels out, cartoon looking tunnels out in the yard. Voles are up close. There's, there's a lot of poisons and stuff out there, but you, you know, it's really hard to control these. There's a lot of vole poisons, but, you know, the folks at the Botanic Garden in Memphis, they have a hard time controlling them. And what they do is they'll, they'll take a flower pot and get a mouse trap or a rat trap and bait it with peanut butter and put it by the holes and put the 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 uh, the pot upside down over it so they'll come up in the darkness and snap you know trying to get the the peanut butter but there's not a really good repellent or poison not a good one there's a bunch of them out there but you know what they do at uh, Dixon Botanic Garden uh, Dixon Gardens is they plant bol- uh, stuff in. And ba- underground baskets, they made a hardware cloth. They dig the dirt out, line the flower bed with hardware cloth, put the dirt back in it, plant in that underground fence. Not a good control for voles. I, w- I wish there was, but there's not.
6: What about plants
1: that have existed? No, okay. they uh, voles killed a bunch of mature shrubs at the governor's mansion. <laughs> you know, they're tough. They're tough little critters. Okay. So anyway, I thank,
6: uh, uh, thank you so much for.
1: Okay, well, I, I couldn't be of much help on that, but look, wait another month. Look at the tree. Okay, take I'll take, take a take a picture. Send it to me. <laughs> All right,
6: it's very old. I can't. Well, one more question. On a big old old tree like that, can you take a tape measure? And measure around
1: uh, the tree, and there's a formula to, to figure how old it is. Nope, no, nope, because, you know, if you look at, at pictures of wood that was produced uh, 100 years ago, 50 years ago, and today the rings are so much different because of growth. The only way to tell is to they have a, a foresters they've got this drill that goes straight into the tree. It doesn't hurt the tree. It pulls out a core, and they count the rings, count how many, because each ring was a year of bark. But you can't just measure around. There's some great big old, uh, thick. There's there's some chokes out there, man.
0: That's the one thing I always remember from science class. If you want to know how old a tree is, count the rings. Yeah, yeah, <laughs>
1: yeah. So anyway, uh, good luck on it, David. Now give me give me a let's let's know how the tree does. Um, who, who next? Okay.
0: Well, we have a uh, two calls. I think we may have one more slot available if somebody wants to join, but let's go to Barbara and Olive Branch. Hey, Barbara, good morning.
2: Good morning. I have heard that if I go by King Alfred Bulb today, Daffodil, will it be the same as my mother's from 30, 35 years ago? No, ma'am. That's <laughs> what I thought I heard. Okay, here's the deal.
1: First, you talking about the plant?
2: Yes the daffodil okay. Okay. Uh-huh.
1: I, I I would not plant daffodils if you don't already have them. If you got them, go ahead and plant them because they're not going to just like an onion or a garlic clove they're not going to wait till fall, but I would not buy stuff to plant at the time when they normally stop growing. Daffodils best planted in the mm-hmm. fall, sometimes early winter, but it's way too late to plant them unless you already have them no, I don't.
2: Yeah. I just want to know, do I need to find someone with king alfred,
1: well here here, here 's the thing. King Alfred, for all practical purposes, is no longer around uh, the old oh, one country. called king alfred is a, is a class of of uh, of daffodils called large tru- you know trumpet large large Trump. big trumpets. Uh, king Alfred was an old antique and it 's been pretty much replaced with newer varieties of similar large cup trumpet daffodils. So when you buy King Alfred today, it ain't a King Alfred. If you, you know, only a very few, there's a place called Old House Gardens up in Michigan that sells the real King Alfred, but they're proud of them. Uh, but anyway, uh, what I would do is I I would wait, uh, get some this fall, order them for, for fall and and plant then and, uh, and, and enjoy them. But they won't be the real King Alfred. But it doesn't matter. I can't tell King Alfred from seeing the new ones and, 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 I'm. have been growing daffodils for half a century. I can't tell them apart. Mm-hmm. It's just a large, yeah, cut trumpet type okay. daffodil. Okay,
2: that's what I'll try for
1: then. Okay, and while you're at it, I'm holding up a little flower right now. My little antique, my heirloom antique of the year. This is a little one called Tete Tete. T e t e a t e t e. Tete Tete. Is uh, It has two small uh, daffodils, a pair of them on each stem. It's a nice little compact thing. It doesn't flop over. The leaves don't flop over. It's just a real tiny little thing you can put in front of your bigger ones, and every one you plant this year, next year, will have two or three. And then next year, they multiply and spread, and they just are wonderful little border daffodils. You put in front of your bigger ones, and these don't flop over when the leaves are done. But tete a is one of my favorite little, little daffodils. Alphadales to mix in with my bigger ones
2: okay i will try that too i think i've had that one but i moved i don't have
1: it anymore well it's a sneak okay. sneak back and get some when they're not looking because it's a great I'm one ted a ted is one of my favorites anyway good luck okay. on the king alfred okay thank you bye-bye now uh, java we're getting some some pretty esoteric calls today
0: I like that one, though, because you, we have to dive deep. We don't have enough time, but she wanted to know if they were going to be the same thing as her mother's flowers 30, 40 years ago, and you said, no, no, no.
1: no, 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 no." It's just like Model T's. You can buy a black Ford anytime <laughs> you want, but ain't no Model T's out there on the marketplace anymore, and it's a black Ford, but it's the old black Ford. New black Fords ain't Model T's. Okay, I get it. Okay, let's go uh, over to Pearl. And see what Alan's up to. Alan, how you doing this morning? You getting out outside and sweating yet?
7: Oh yeah. Well, I work out here at the state hospital, so I've got plenty to do. Yeah, yeah,
1: yeah. You know, you, they, <laughs> they they don't have that old uh, greenhouse thing there anymore. We worked on back in the eighties, do they?
7: They sure do. Well, yes, they do. They um um the major hailstorm we had out here.
1: Oh yeah. <laughs>
7: yeah. Um it. It it definitely did a trick on it, but anyway, they uh, they um yeah, we, rebuilt it. We
1: we we cleaned it up and turned it into a horticulture therapy thing, but that's been who that's been thirty something years ago. Anyway, what you got and going it, on? What's what's up today?
7: Yeah, I'm gonna keep it um, short and sweet. Uh, I've got a few acres, you know, pasture land. Nothing's on it. No animals. No cows. Or how do you get rid of broom sage?
1: <laughs> you, well. <laughs> Well, first of all, it wants to be out there. More than yeah. you want it gone. It is a great right. native plant, Andropogon. Uh, you know, right now the, the broom set, what we call broom sedge, are the flowers, you know, grass don't have real flowers, but they're called flowers. And, uh, right. the, the grass itself is, is like a big clump of monkey grass, you know, big, just a big clump of grass. Only way yeah. to control it is, uh, is c- cut it all down. And then when it's, in, in this spring, when it sprouts back, go out spot treat the individual plants.
7: Oh, my God. Yeah, yeah. My pastor <laughs> I, I, I know.
1: Well, you know, one of the things you could do was, was what my mother did in her flower beds is find some wildflowers that are taller than it and plant them out there and just call it a meadow. Put you an old uh, tractor out there or, or a piece of fence and make it a, a little scene that said broom sedge is part of that native plant palette. But, uh, right. no, you, you'd have to kill each of the individual plants. And all those little oh, fuzzy oh. – you know, the broom sedge, what you can make a broom out of – if you weigh yeah. that, if you weigh that and win, all that fluffy stuff that floats off, those are seeds. <laughs> oh my goodness! Well,
7: yeah. I've, I've heard that for regular fertilizers. Nope. I guess the trick is is nope. to smother it out.
1: Nope. Um, <laughs> <laughs> no, yeah. I'm, I'm real for I I, I actually like uh, this plant. I, I actually like it. But if it comes up where you don't want it, you can either dig it up or you can squirt it. But, you know, you can kill it all day long. But guess what's going to happen next year? More is going to come back from seed. So you're going to have yeah. to just get you a bush hog and just mow it regular.
7: Right. Well, as a kid, <laughs> it was fun to play in, but not yep. now
1: well uh-huh. something else you could do is go out there with some spray paint and about every tenth one spray paint it some color <laughs> and, and you know if nothing else and listen it's getting you to laugh about something you are irritated about two minutes ago
3: right <laughs>
7: okay <laughs> alright well once again thank y'all and um um hello Billy Hutto over there um um hey but I mean he don't know me personally but
1: uh, alrighty well we'll okay. be there in one. appreciate it Alan good luck on that broom sedge Yes, yeah, a native plant. <laughs> Here's an example: if you can't fix it, flee it, or fight it, flow with it. I'm horticulturist fellow Russian. me and Java Chapman, and all the folks at MPB I always have a good time on Fridays. Uh, also, during the rest of the week, I will be at Hutto's. I'm going to start talking at nine in the morning, Hutto's Garden Center on Ellis Avenue in Jackson on Saturday. It's our annual free fruits for the landscape, plants that look good, and part of the year you can eat. Uh, meanwhile, if you have a chance to take a kid to a garden center and get a bucket or something, show them how to do what we do best, and that's get dirty. See y'all next week.
7: This is an MPB Think Radio podcast. To hear previous shows, visit mpbonline.org or download the MPB Public Radio app to listen on your iPhone or Android phone on demand.